Now more than ever, it's so important that we foster and develop emotional intelligence. But did you know that needs are closely linked to emotions? And that when we know our needs and the more we fulfill them, the calmer and happier we are? Hashtag 52 Needs is a podcast that provides insights into how we can all make this happen. My name is Angela Heiser. I'm a professional coach and facilitator. And each week a guest joins me to discuss a different human need and how we can all improve and foster our emotional intelligence. Welcome to our exploration of hashtag 52 needs that I am um, using this year to highlight the importance of focusing on what's important to us in our life. And here on LinkedIn, the focus is going to be on how do our needs impact on our leadership, but not just on our leadership, but also on our team development and our self-leadership, because we really can't lead other people if we don't know how to lead ourselves. That's why needs are so important. So this week, number two, week number two, we are looking at inspiration. And inspiration is, well, <clears throat> inspirational, right? We need to have inspiration in our lives. And especially in, in our work, because life can become really monotonous if we're doing the same things over and over again. So I'm very proud to have with me my old friend, Sabrina Klein, who until recently was the director for artistic literacy for the University of California at Berkeley who's an amazing human being, a wonderful mother, wonderful wife, and an extremely good friend. I mean, we've been friends for a very, very long time, and I'm very grateful to have you in my life. And you are one of the most inspiring people I know. So I thought, who, who best to ask about how, do, can we, how can we use inspiration in leadership and team development, and of course, self-leadership, and um, how can we make that work for us? Right. And I have to just say all that same wonderful stuff back to you, Angela, how important you are in my life. And one of the things that we do for each other is to be able to brainstorm back and forth and to talk ideas through that helps us find inspiration. Yeah. But you know me, you know that when I really run out of steam, I run out of inspiration and I get writer's block or I get stuck in my work or my relationship or I get despairing about politics, which is easy to do in the United States right now. I find the arts open me back up, refocus me and open me back up to new ways of thinking and new ways mm. of seeing. And I mean all of the arts. I happen to be trained in theater, but visual arts, painting, sculpture, dance, music, all kinds of movement, circus arts, puppetry. I don't love them all equally, but I find in them some deep expression grappling with what it means to be a human being. Mm. That's that's in all great works of art and even, frankly, in a lot of not so great works of art, because artists are curious about the world and they grapple with questions. Yeah. So when you ask, what can we how can we use the arts? I mean, you ask me what I hear is how can we, how can I use the arts that way? Hmm. They're the arts are an endlessly replenishable well of self-reflection and shared brainstorming and getting to know each other. So let me just offer one example mm -hmm. of a team building a connection to one another. Ask your team to bring things together for a group sharing one day and ask them to finish these sentences. If you really want to know who I am or if you really want to know something important about me, Look at this painting, read this book or poem, 
watch this movie, listen to this piece of music, because we all have them. We all have pieces of music that made us feel like, oh, that's me, I'm not alone. We've all seen a work of art that says, if I could, I would have painted that because that's how I see the world. So that's one way the arts take internal expression and they externalize it for us. And we can see extraordinary multiple perspectives and diversity in who we are. And we also get to learn something a little secret about each other that we might not otherwise get to in the routine conversations on Zoom or around the old water cooler. It adds another dimension to people, doesn't it? Not just one, but two or three. Yeah, I mean, I really feel like if we all could just wear t-shirts that said, if you really want to know me, read this book. This book changed my life. (laughs) This is how I think. This is how I look at the world. Yeah. We we would have a, a... a shared humanity much more immediately and accessible. But I also like to do, I keep looking over here because I have a painting, this gorgeous painting here that's been hanging on my wall for 15 years or so. And I, <laughs> one of the things I like to do with a group is to bring in an original work of art. One thing about this work of art is it wasn't at all clear to me when I started which way it was supposed to go. <laughs> So I hung it this way for a while and then I flipped it and then I went sideways. And that's because it's abstract, right? So to engage a group of people around a work of art, I would ask everybody, I would bring this to people so that they could see it, ask them to handle it carefully, and then ask them, what do you see? Now don't interpret, don't tell me what it looks like, just tell me what you see. So, you know, one of the first things you see is a bunch of little dots, right? I'm assuming you see the same thing I see there, Angela. What colors do you see? Yeah. And look at all the, how do you identify all the colors that you see? Yellow, orange, ochre, um, gold, light blue, dark blue, uh, brown, got so many tones and and what I love and which something I hadn't appreciated is it's almost glowing yes sparkles look at that luminescent quality that has it's just especially in the yellows but in some of the blues too right absolutely now I haven't yet told the people who are looking at this what it's called or anything about the artist we just start with deep looking and if we did this with a group of 15 people we'd see 15 times as much because people see different things and we need more perspectives to help us see everything. So for example, I'd had this on my wall for years and years and years until somebody pointed out to me the background was black. I didn't even kind of pay attention to that. (laughs) And yet there it is, it's a black background. So having a group of people look at this and collecting on a list, all of the things they see. And then some people see the stripes and the dots And I ask people what that makes them think of. Some people know about pointillism, which is a formalist kind of painting. And some Mm -hmm. people know about dot painting in the indigenous um, style of Aboriginal peoples in Australia. Um, Some people know about different kinds of expressions of art. And now I see that you are frozen. Should I go on? No, you keep going. Okay. All right. Um, 
So we don't start out by saying anything about this except what do you see? Go deep, just observe and share what you observe. And then between us, we all see more. When we have collected what we see in it, we can set the painting aside actually, and we can learn a few things about the artist because what's really important to remember is that human beings make art. Yes. They really do. And they make it with intentionality. They're trying to express something and they make it with choices of their medium, of the colors, of the lines. This artist is named Judy Purvis Kanguari. Kanguari. I got help with the pronunciation. Um, she is from the country Ilkawerna. And she calls this painting Pencil Yam Dreaming. Mm. That's all we're going to say now. Knowing this is called Pencil Yam Dreaming, what do you see differently? Sky. Now we start to see something <laughs> that, pardon? I see sky because the dreaming took me straight into the sky. Mm-hmm. And earth maybe, right? And earth, yes, and growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then pencil yams. I went and looked up a picture of pencil yams. Go look at a picture of pencil yams. They, they look <laughs> like that? They're long and skinny? They are. And <laughs> this is intended not to show us representationally pencil no. yams. This doesn't take the place. It's the of a picture of a pencil yam, it evokes mm. not just pencil yam, but what a pencil yam means to Judy Purvis and Guare, mm -hmm. the artist. And it's pencil yam dreaming. So that sent me to dream time mm. research. What does that mean? How do I find out about that? I did a lot of reading about it. And I actually, because I worked at the University of California, got to go to a few academic experts and a few painters who know something about dot painting and the history of dot painting in Australia, which really gathered currency in the 70s and 80s. It harkens back to sand painting, mm -hmm. dot painting in nature, but it captures it on a canvas and that started relatively recently. Yeah. Uh, Dreamtime, I also learned, are stories that is not supposed to be accessible to me. I'm not supposed to be able to know exactly what the artist means by that. That's her personal story. I just get to see some of the beauty in it. Mm. Yeah. As I explore this with a group of people, everybody has a different question. Some people wanna know what the paint is made out of. Some people wanna know more about Judy Purvis. Some people wanna know about dream time. Some people wanna know about what it means to capture an elusive art, which happened in nature in relationship to the land on canvas permanently. What does that mean? Is that a kind of selling out? Is that a cultural appropriation? What does it mean that I'm not meant to understand the story in this? It was an extraordinary conversation because I did this with a group of 52 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Now we broke down into small groups and we had smaller discussions, but we filled boards of brainstorming. Mm -hmm. And what does this connect us to? It connects us to 
other people outside of our culture because nobody happened of this culture happened to be in the room. Mm. Would have been nice, but we were in Berkeley in the summertime. Didn't happen. But um, what could we learn from the artist? What does this tell us about geography? Australia, the story of indigenous peoples of Australia, about the human need to create art. Mm. Our conversation went on for four hours. <laughs> and when we left, we weren't exhausted. We no. were jacked. We were inspired. Mm. And we also made our own dot paintings. They didn't look that good. <laughs> but we thought about our own foods that matter to us, what nurtures us. We thought about the essence of those foods. And then I gave everybody a whole bunch of different sizes of pens and markers and sponges. And they just made dots of the essence of a food. Mm. And I'd love to, I, maybe we can post that in somewhere. It wasn't that they were trying to replicate this work. They were trying to replicate the creative process mm -hmm. of boiling an essential food down that you feel grateful for. That is part of your life sustenance, like pencil yams are or yeah. can be some people's and capturing their essence in dots and colors, lines, shapes that have nothing to do with representation. Yeah. You'd be amazed at the different ways corn can look. Well, if you've got some photos, please post them in the comments. I will do that. that I'll dig them great. up. Yeah. So you do something like that with a group of people, you will get closer. You'll learn something about each other. You'll appreciate multiple perspectives, yeah. but also I think you leave jazz because you now have a relationship with this work of art that is very personal. Mm. And if I take this and put this in our work environment together, we can circle back to it over and over again and see something new in it whenever we want. Yeah. Well, talking about that, we don't necessarily have stable work environments at the moment. We don't mm -hmm. necessarily have walls we can hang art on that we can appreciate as a team. Um, hopefully they will get back to that at some point, but how, have you got any ideas on how we can uh, integrate art into, into, into our work life? You know, I mean, like the obvious, and I'm not talking about that. It's not, it's not the screensavers with the, you know, with the Matisse lilies or anything like that, but something that oh, we can do. <laughs> oh, look, I'm, I'm yes, by all means, but something that goes beyond that. Yeah. Uh, I would say because we are, we do have work environments and they're, but they're just confined, they're more in our homes. And just like we do in our cubicles at work, we need things that nurture us, mm -hmm. that feed us. And for some people, they're, they're always gonna have pictures of their family pictures and their dogs and their friends and last year's summer vacation. Those are all beautiful and nurturing, but somewhere challenge yourself to put two or three pieces of art that are not immediately something you did or something you know, something that makes you stop and think that you have to look at sideways and you see something new in it mm -hmm. that reminds you of the bigger world. Yeah. You need those things that remind you of why you work all those family and wonderful things, but you also need something that reminds you of your humanity and the extraordinary capacity of human beings to mm. create works 
that bind us and that capture a moment in the human experience that isn't sitting right in front of us on yeah. the screen right now, but is in the room with us, reminding us. That you know connected. what? That's, that's a wonderful idea because even if I have a hot desk and if I move around, you know, I don't even have an assigned desk anymore. I just grab my laptop and put it up somewhere. Taking out something out of my bag and, and an object that inspires me and putting that next to my laptop, that that would, I mean, that would definitely work for me. I love that. Definitely. And I would encourage you to go beyond the routine things that you might have in your house. Like I have this boomerang because it's beautiful, because it swerves, because it was a gift from a beloved friend, because it's not of my culture, because it's it's smooth to the touch. This takes me outside of my immediate world. Whereas the little ballerina that my son made in second grade or the, the um, figurine my mom gave me, those will connect me to my mom and my son. Mm. This takes me outside of that. Mm. So I, I do conjure you to look for something that feels like a work of art, not a memento. Yeah. I've got an idea since we are, I'm being inspired. Um, we could create basically, you know how we've got a lost and found box. We could create a box of artifacts of articles, you know, like the, you know, sculptures or whatever it might be. If we're, if we're having an office again at some point, or I don't know, even somewhere in public places where people can just take one out, take it with them, drop in theirs and, Use that for inspiration. I don't know. That's what yeah, inspiration is. It doesn't have to I be. Think it's like I, I'm looking at your necklace, which is a work of art. It's gorgeous. I want to touch it. The color. I feel like it has texture. I'm wearing a totally different necklace, mm. a single amber bead. Even these little pieces. This was from a friend. It does remind me of her, but amber takes me far beyond my friend. Mm. Just like when I see you in that red necklace. It says something about who you are. And that is artistic, not merely a reminder. I don't want to minimize the reminders mm. of other people. They matter. But we're talking about a different kind of inspiration. Yeah. yeah. So it's not either or. It's add this. Add, add something from outside. I think your idea of a found art box is marvelous, something that you could share that people would be willing to let other people touch and look mm. at and wonder about. It's yeah. Marvelous. Mm. I like that idea. Well, there's so many other ideas and what I would encourage people, if this has inspired you to, you know, for some ideas on how we can create more inspiration around art at work in, you know, in any area, wherever that may be, please drop it into the comment fields and share them so we can all be inspired. So thank I'm you like so much. Can I just leave with one thought though? Yeah. The least important part of your relationship with a work of art is whether or not you like it. Yeah. Liking and not liking isn't the same thing as what do you see? What does it make you think about? What is the artist trying to say or managing to say to me, which may be different than the artist intended. Mm. So you don't have to worry either about liking or not liking, or am I getting it? Is that what the artist meant? And I know this is heresy, it's what you mean. It's what yeah. it means to you that the artist made this and you're standing in relationship to it. That's in, fa in fact, I, I really like to look at art that, that disrupts me on some level mm -hmm. and interrupts my sense of, oh, or, you know, it, because it gets me to think about why and what is really matter. So it's, it's almost like, you know, like a reverse psychology thing. But yeah, yeah, I highly recommend that. 
So thank you, Sabrina. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And as I said, everybody, if you've got any ideas on how we can in include more art in our in our work environment and, and to our team development and leadership, please drop them into the comment fields. And by all means, please include art into your life. It is what we need. Art makes us human, as Sabrina said. By humans, for humans. Thank you so Thank much. You. We'll see you next week. Take care. Okay. You've been listening to Hashtag 52 Needs with me, Angela Heise. These podcasts are not created to provide answers, but to invite you to explore your own needs and discover what works for you. Find out more about my coaching and emotional intelligence programs by following Into Possibilities on Instagram at AngelaHeise.com and at my YouTube channel. And I'd love it if you shared this podcast with your friends, work colleagues and family. And I'll see you next time.